talked about how uh, just kind of looking out and seeing your faces and seeing you come through the door really is uh, an encouragement to his heart and to, to our hearts. And so it's fun to just, just know that you're an encouragement to us and to, to journey through life together as a body and to, to seek God together is, is a real blessing. So thanks for being here. That was easy, right? All right. We're going to uh, continue our series on the Proverbs. Proverbs are a book in the Bible, Old Testament, a lot of them written by a man named Solomon, and they're very practical, small nuggets uh, that help us know how to live. It's a very everyday kind of a book, small nuggets that you can take with you in the field. Um, With that, you know, most of the time when you come to church, at least I think part of the desire is to, to experience God, but often we want to, we want to have that felt experience and emotional experience with God, and hopefully you get that through uh, the music and interacting with each other, and, and sometimes a teaching. Uh, I don't think, honestly, today is going to be probably one of those days that you are going to have this deep feel, uh, an experiential feeling of God, and that's a little bit hard for me to, to embrace, but really with the Proverbs, it's a lot more every day, rubber meets the road stuff, uh, and my desire is whether you, you feel that deep impact here in church, my desire is that we would apply this and then feel that more often out there, uh, where we could meet and experience and be wowed by our Father more because of today. And of course, I want to be a part of that, that, that penetrating emotion, um, but it's part of the things I've got to learn to let go of sometimes. And so maybe you will, maybe you won't. Um, I, I don't as much when we're going through these Proverbs, but I often see the ripple effect of just knowing my Jesus in the everyday things, and I think that's what brings uh, true victory in our life, and I think that's what brings that lasting joy is experiencing God in the everyday. So there's just prep your hearts for whatever that means, okay? Um, There's three different ways. We're going to have some slides up here. Levi's busy today. Uh, Three different ways I think we can approach our finances in in Proverbs. Uh, Number one, You can live beyond or above your means, basically spending more than you make. Number two, you can live equal with your means, meaning you spend exactly what you make. I know all the Dave Ramsey people just cheered, right? It's it's zero left. And number three, you can live below your means, meaning you spend less than you make. And so we're going to talk about if you live below your means, the opportunities that you then have to save and to spend. Uh, So today... Proverbs 11:24. If you guys would, we're gonna we're gonna start here, and then we're gonna go to all kinds of proverbs. So, if you guys are up for it, and if you can, would you stand, and we'll read this proverbs together. Proverbs 11:24. Scripture says, "There is one who scatters, and yet increases all the more, and there is one who withholds what is justly due, and yet it results only in want. The generous man will be prosperous." And he who waters will himself be watered. He who withholds grain, people will curse him. But blessing will be on the head of him who sells it. All right, thanks. Okay, so first reading this, there's a lot of translations that replace that word scattered with generously gives. I think scattered is more in line with the original context. Uh, So it could be taken in a way that is promoting gifting and generosity. Uh, but I think you're going to find a lot of different things, even in this small section of Scripture. It talks about scattering. talks about withholding what is justly due, which makes me think of just payment for a job. 
uh, but it also talks about a generous man prospering, so obviously that's the language of, and verbiage of giving. Uh, but then at the end there, it talks about a man who's selling his grain. So you get giving, you get payment, you get selling. And so I think a more encompassing view of this passage of Scripture is basically the, God's desire to put money in circulation. So whatever form that looks like is to just put money in circulation, okay? And so as we look deep into this, uh, we've, we've touched on a lot of these things before. We've talked about um, pursuing wise business partners and um, Boomer talked a lot about the danger of going into debt and the, the stress or the bondage that that can bring. Uh, so that's number one, living above your means. Uh, last week he did a great job unpacking just the blessing of generous living, whether that be with your words or with your time or your finances. And so today we're going to focus more on just that idea of putting money in circulation, uh, but we're going to start with savings and then we're going to jump to spending. So this is that idea, once you once you're responsible for some things, this is what you guys get to do with all of that extra money you have laying around here, okay? All right, so if you would, let's, let's commit this time to, to God and, and pray with me quick. Lord Jesus, I just praise you for your word, and I'm thankful that you have given us guidance that's very practical, that meets us in the everyday things of life. But I'm also thankful that uh, your word is living and active and it's just not something to glance at and then to try to apply, but, but it is sufficient for all of our needs because Jesus is sufficient and that you are totally pure and therefore everything that you speak is in line with who you are and so we can take these things and, um, and live them out. Thank you for the ability that we have to carry them out because of the exchange that you made on the cross and conquering sin and death on our behalf that you have given us your Holy Spirit. And so I pray now that you would... Uh, arise and awaken that spirit to give us understanding and to minister to our hearts and that these truly would be things that we could take and apply to our life to to bring you glory and to minister to others it's in christ's name amen i have some friends that we talk about money as ammunition and we we in some ways it, it feels healthy to me because ammunition is meant to be fired downrange and if we look at money as simply something that God has gifted us to, to be used for his kingdom, uh, I just like the idea of it's meant to be fired downrange to further the kingdom of God and to, to keep the enemy at bay. And so this idea of just circulating this money, whatever that might look like, and we're going to talk about the different things and the different ways that it looks, but uh, I want to I start by giving you this big picture. Number one, and we've touched on a lot of these things in the past, but number one, it's all God's. And so everything that I have in my, quote, possession is God's. And I'm simply a steward of it to do with it what he desires. So that can be my finances, but it can also be uh, my kids and my time and my words uh, all the way down to my very life. And so underneath all this, I think, if I can come to understand that I, in, in a real sense, I own nothing. Um, there's a lot of freedom there, and I think there's a proper perspective that just we can continue to present ourselves as a living sacrifice and present our things as a living sacrifice for the service of God. Okay, number two, work hard. We're going we're gonna to spend a whole Sunday about this in the future, but it's all over the Bible and it's all over Proverbs about uh, Christians ought to work hard. We ought to be about hard work. Um, a lot of times, often that means a job. So when we're talking about finances, most of the time finances come through income, and that means you've got to find a way to make a living just like everybody else, okay? And so working hard and applying yourself towards a job. But it doesn't just mean a job, like a career. Uh, I think it takes a lot of hard work to be intentional about your life. 
I think it takes a lot of hard work to prioritize the things in your life that you want to prioritize. So whether this is family calendar or whether this is what you're going to do after church, um, man, sometimes it, it, it takes some diligence to make sure that your life is about what you want it to be about. And hopefully that's in line with God. Because if you're like me, many times if you just flow and go with the current, uh, you, you don't find yourself in the place that you know you ought or that you desire to be. Number three, be generous. Boomer did a great job talking about that last week. Number four, save and invest. Both of these are only possible if you spend less than you make. Otherwise, you don't have anything to save. And number five, spend freely as you are led by the Spirit and hold it loosely. Now, it's important to recognize that the order of these things is crucial because you can feel yourself right now, depending if you are the spender or the saver in the relationship, as soon as you hear, like, ammunition, fire it downfield, spend freely, if you're the saver, you're going, oh, my gosh, what is he hearing? <laughs> like, right? You can have an iPhone 10 when you drive out of here. Okay? And so the order is very important, and we're going to talk about that. And I think when we follow biblical order and when we follow biblical structure, uh, we find tremendous freedom at the end of that road. What's the objective of all this? Interesting enough, uh, a talk on finance uh, even, I think, all these proverbs about finance or about saving or about spending, I don't think are about saving and about spending. Uh, that's the, the surface thing. But I believe that the objective of all this, in one sense, is if I align my heart and my ways and my approach towards finances in a biblical fashion, I think I think about money then so I don't have to think about money a lot. Basically, it's for freedom. You're just saying about it. It's to have the freedom to be about our Father's business, bringing glory to Him and furthering His kingdom. There's a lot of things that would like to pull that from us, and one of them is how much mental energy can be committed or how much worry or emotional strife or even relational strife can be committed to the area of finance. So I think God gives us this order and shows us these things and coaches us on these things so that it can just stay in its lane and we can go about our Father's business. Matthew 6, 19 and 34, I think, spells this out in a good way. It says, don't lay up for yourselves treasures on earth. In other words, don't put too much trust or security or time in earthly things. It goes on to say, you can't serve two masters, God and money. What I think it's saying is you will devote time and thought to one or the other. Don't worry about what you will eat, drink, or wear, but seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added unto you. So we have so much mental focus, we have so much energy, we have so much of ourselves that we can expend. And I think this is saying you, you, you got to pick. So if we can do things and approach our lives and our finances in a biblical fashion, I think we're going to have more of ourselves to expend towards the thing that God wants us to expend it on. And, and for the most part, that generally means relationships. Exodus is a beautiful example of God doing one thing to accomplish another. Again, Hebrews are slaves in Egypt. They have been for hundreds of years, and he says it's time to free them, and he takes Moses, and he says, I want you to go free my people. And all throughout Exodus, you get this phrase that says, let my people go that they may serve me. You see, he doesn't just want his people to go to go. He doesn't want freedom just for freedom's sake. He says, let my people go, let my people be free, so that they are free to what? To worship me. 
And I think that is why he gives us this plan financially, so that we might worship him. There's a quote by Warren Wiersbe that I enjoy. Uh, it says this, In our universe there is a God, and there are people and things. We were made so that we should worship God, love people, and use things. However, if we worship ourselves, we ignore God, we start loving things, and begin to use people. Isn't that true about our culture? How easy it is to switch those three things around. So the intent and the design is to worship God, to love people, and to use things. And I think there's such freedom in each of those phrases. And there's such a place in each of those phrases. We don't have to deny material things. We just need to get them in the right place. Uh, we have a saying in our house. It's a common saying. A lot of people know it. Work hard, play hard. Right? Work hard, play hard. The order is very, very important in my mind. And I think it's pretty biblical. But this idea is basically, if I am responsible and obedient to the things God has clearly commanded and suggested in Scripture, when I've done that, then I can put my money in circulation and try to have fun doing it. And we'll talk about what it looks like to put your money in circulation. But when I have done the things God has asked me to do, work hard, He frees me to play hard. That can, that can mean spending. That can mean giving. It can mean a lot of different things. Another key point, balance is key. Proverbs 25, 16 says, If you have found honey, eat only enough for you, lest you have your fill of it and vomit. This is, this is what we do often, right? And the Bible talks a ton about balance. It says, uh, have a little wine, but don't get drunk. Enjoy food, but don't be a glutton. Spend, but don't overspend. Save, but don't save too much. And so we have to rely on the Spirit, and we have to rely on His Word to know where that balance is. But I think finances is a great place to understand and recognize there's always a balance to things in life. Another idea that I think is important in life with our time, being good stewards, but as well as our money. Yes here means no there. And what I mean by that is whatever you say yes to means you're saying no to something else. So think of time. I gave the example in the first service. If I feel like God has these great things for my ministry, uh, but it's going to require 60, 70, 80 hours of work a week, and I think this is, this, is, this is what I need to do to accomplish the work that God has me do, and I want to be a good family man that can coach my kids and, and be at their events and invest in my wife and go on dates, guess what? Probably not going to happen, right? Saying yes to 80 hours of work means saying no to those other things, and vice versa. And so we find these contradictions in our life, and we just got to recognize, let's be intentional and follow God's heart about what we're saying yes to so we know what we're saying no to. And finances is, is the same way. Um, I think we're often guilty of judging other people's yeses and nos. For example, I know people who buy like $200 sunglasses. And some of you think, oh my gosh, that's ridiculous. You don't know how long I have them or how many pairs I have. Um, but I got a couple really good pairs of sunglasses. And some of you think, well, what if you break them or what if you lose them? That's terrible stewardship. And maybe you're right. But you don't know the no's that I've said so that I can say yes to those. Where maybe I say no to eating out at restaurants five days a week so I can say yes to nice sunglasses. Maybe you say yes to restaurants and say no to sunglasses. It's not necessarily a right or a wrong, right? None of these things are spelled out in Scripture. 
but it's just a matter of applying yourself to what God wants you to apply yourself to, and then just do it on purpose. Know what you're saying no to, and know what you're saying yes to. I know people who choose to buy homes for way less than they qualify for, imagine that, so that they can take family vacations, or so that they can eat out at restaurants more. And other people, they go to the home that they feel like this is what they host, and they're going to commit most of their time and their energies and their effort to their home, and then they can't do those other things, and that's okay. It's just recognize and know whatever you say yes to, you're saying no to something else. So see that in your own life, and then let's be real careful, because I don't know what, what Tom has said no to so that he can say yes to a car or things like that. The Bible is full of pieces of scripture that talk about the wisdom of planning ahead. And so we're going to start with savings. And obviously, when you save for something, you have some sort of foresight. Okay? And so it says, let's not get caught unaware because we've failed to plan ahead. Listen to Luke 14, 28 and 30. It says, for which of you intending to build a tower does not sit down first and count the cost, whether he has enough to finish it? Lest after he has laid the foundation and is not able to finish... Ahusim began mocking him, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish. So the idea of recognizing and knowing and trying to plan ahead. A lot of you know Adam Haggerty, a good friend of mine. Uh, he was giving a talk about retirement and finances that I was sitting in one time, and he gave a quote that I just love. He says, God applies basic rules of life to everyone. He doesn't have to, but he generally does. And what he meant by that was, if you save money for retirement, there's a good chance you'll have money in retirement. If you don't save money for retirement, there's a good chance you won't have money for retirement. Now, can God go outside of that? Absolutely. We see him do it a lot. But our job is to apply ourselves and all of our faculties to being obedient to the wisdom God has set before us, and then we leave the results up to him. Proverbs 6, 6 through 8 talks about planning ahead. It says, Go to the ant, you sluggard. Consider its ways and be wise. It has no commander, no overseer or ruler, yet it stores its provision in summer and its food for the harvest. So this could look like planning for retirement, but it could also look like planning for a full day at the soccer fields with your family. Okay? Last fall, four of my kids were playing soccer, so we were there all day long. And so part of planning ahead, part of savings in that moment for my wife was she got the food and she packed the cooler and here we go. And so when we're there, we're there and we're going to eat there. And so it seems like a little thing. It seems like, well, and Sherry doesn't dabble with finances very much, uh, but in some ways she does. Because her doing that means that we don't have to find time to run over to Arby's and run back. And then after that second game, run over to McDonald's and run back and that whole deal. And so next thing you know, uh, we're having to feed our kids but yet now, maybe I'm sitting here thinking, oh my gosh, I don't know if he had this in the budget. And she's saying, well, we've got to feed our babies because now they've got to run around. And so pretty soon there's marital strife because we didn't plan ahead. This stuff happens, right? So planning ahead and looking to the future has financial ramifications and it has relational ramifications. And when we align our hearts to God, it doesn't mean we're going to be fat, rich, and happy. But I think often it means we're going to have more harmony in our relationships and we're going to have more peace in our hearts. Proverbs 31 Women, you guys are familiar with this, right? It's meant to inspire and to motivate, but oftentimes it adds pressure. Don't let it happen. Women, you guys are awesome. The Proverbs 31 wife um, and mother says this, When it snows, 
A woman who has brought about and commits herself to the things of God is what the context is. When it snows, she has no fear for her household, for all of them are clothed in scarlet. Scarlet basically means double thickness. So she knows winter's coming, and so she prepares her family for it. That's a way that she provides, loves, serves, and takes care of her house. It's a great picture of a woman who took the time to think and plan ahead. I think for whether you're a man who runs a big corporation, a woman who's in the business world, or whether you're a stay-at-home mom that's trying to run her home, uh, we need in our society to schedule time to schedule. Right? If we want to be intentional about our day, if we want to be intentional about our life, it takes some time to even sit down and think and to say, okay, I really want to work a date in. What do I have to do to make that happen? Or I really want to spend more time with the grandkids. What do I have to do to make that happen? Or I want to really want to spend less time at work and more time fishing. What do I need to do to make that happen? Like that stuff doesn't just happen, right? You've got to be intentional about it. So let's find ways to help each other. Schedule time to schedule your life. Proverbs 27, 23 says, Be diligent to know the state of your flock and attend to your herds. So again, in this time, flock and herds, that's their assets. That's what they have. And so scripture says, you've got to work hard and be diligent to know the state, know the situation that you're in financially, know the situation you're in. In other words, this is a great plea for a budget, just to figure out where you're at. It says it's going to take some time. You're going to have to commit some effort to this. Now, one specific way to plan ahead, again, is savings and investing. Proverbs 21.20 says, The wise store up choice food and olive oil, but fools gulp theirs down. Multiple Proverbs that talk about a wise man setting aside, storing aside things, but the fool just devours it. Just, if it's there, I consume it. If it's there, I consume it. We're all familiar, pretty familiar with uh, Matthew 25 when Jesus is given the parable of the talents and it talks about a guy with 10 talents multiplies it to 20 guy with 5 talents multiplies it to 10 guy with is it one talent who buries it and this is what happens when he comes when the master comes back he says this to the individual who didn't who didn't invest it didn't save it didn't put it to work didn't find find ways to multiply he says you wicked and lazy slave you ought to have put my money in the bank and on my arrival I would have received my money back with interest Again, this is a parable uh, that you've got to be careful where and how tightly you apply this, but, but this is Jesus saying it's wise to put our money in circulation. Do something with it. Don't just bury it. Proverbs 30, 24 through 25 says, Four things on earth are very small and are extremely wise. Ants are creatures of little strength, yet they store up their food in the summer. There's different forms of savings. And right away, to give uh, two ideas that I think are valuable that have helped uh, me and a lot of other people that I know and people who know more about it than I do tell me. Uh, one, automate your savings. So it does a couple things. There's a, there's a lot of ways to automate savings. There's a lot of ways to automate a lot of things today. If it's scary for you, find somebody who's comfortable with it. Talk with them. They'll help you out. But the thing I love about automated savings is this. You only have to be disciplined one time. You don't have to be disciplined every single week. You don't have to be disciplined every single month because you know when that time comes and you have a decision to make and the iPhone comes out, I'm supposed to put 50 bucks away into the emergency fund, but... Oh. Or 
you could use new tires and winter's coming and oh I was going to put money into the IRA but mm, I need new tires and so there's a way to kind of take some of that angst away if you simply automate it the other thing it does um, it gives this little by little approach investment people will call some of these things dollar cost averaging where you're not you're not buying high and selling low you're kind of balancing this stuff out because you're just repeatedly doing this thing and this little by little approach Proverbs 13 11 says dishonest money dwindles away but he who gathers money little by little makes it grow so if you can automate that stuff diversify it Ecclesiastes 11 2 Solomon says invest in seven ventures yes in eight you do not know when disaster may come upon the land so again this is the infamous don't put all your eggs in one basket all right, what different forms are there of savings? Dave Ramsey kick, emergency fund, right? This thing will change your life. There's a lot of times God provides for you in what we would say miraculous ways, the 11th hour, and here you go. There's something amazing that comes in that is exactly what you need, and those things are awesome, and those things are fun. There's a lot of time God provides for you with your emergency fund because you put it aside month after month. And I think whenever we look at finances, it's very important. Whenever we look at life, it's important to say, is this faith-driven? And I think many things can be faith-driven that don't feel like it. And we can do many things without faith that might look spiritual. And so it might be incredibly faith-driven, meaning you are trusting God and taking him at his word. So it can be faith-driven to forgive when he tells me to and I don't feel like it. Or it can be faith-driven to put money in an emergency fund when he tells me to and I don't feel like it. And it can be faith-driven to take money out of that emergency fund, knowing that God's going to keep providing. So I want to keep asking myself, I want to keep asking ourselves, is this action done in faith or not? Whether I'm saving it, whether it looks responsible, or whether I'm spending it like crazy and it looks irresponsible. Both can be driven by faith, and I believe both can be driven by the Spirit. Another form, obviously, is the retirement. Are you planning on it? At some point, you're probably going to retire or die, and then you won't have to worry about it. And so knowing that it's coming, you just plan for it. Again, Adam's quote, I'm going to say it again. There's two quotes I really love, but there's a lot more. But today, you're going to hear two of them. God applies basic rules of life to everyone. He doesn't have to, but he generally does. There's another form, allocated funds. And what we mean by that, basically, is funds that have a name tag to them. So this can be a fund for that Harley you've been saving up for. This can be fun for your new roof. This can be fun to repair your foundation. This can be a fund to go on a trip with your family to Disney. Things that you desire and that are allocated. Now, some of those are simply desires or possessions. Others are very, very known expenses that come all the time that for some reason surprise us. First uh, Corinthians 16.2. Paul's talking to the church. He's planning on visiting the church at Corinth, and he says this. On the first day of every week, each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with your income, saving it up so that when I come, no collection has to be made. Basically saying there's a, there's a known expense coming when I come, so start saving it now. Anybody here know when Christmas is? Okay, generally in our culture, I'm not saying right or wrong, but we usually buy gifts, right? Okay, Christmas cost me about $900 a year, give or take. Guess what? It's going to come again in a few months. And after that, it's going to come again next year. And so why would I be surprised and say, oh my gosh, 
and now I want to buy the kids something at Dollar General, and Sherry wants to buy them something a little more, and I think, well, no, we can't do that because we're not going to spend money on the credit card. This happens, right, all the time. And so all of a sudden, you go into debt to make Christmas special and happy. Uh, it doesn't have to be that way. Christmas is coming. And either decide whether you're getting people gifts or not. That's not the point of this. But why not set aside money each month for Christmas? Now again, the only way that I'm going to be able to do that is if I spend less than I make, right? And I realize we're not all in the same situation. And some of us are already underneath and we've got to find ways to get out. All right, God's going to figure out a way to do that with you, to be diligent. But this is those ideas that a little bit of foresight goes a long ways, not just so you can get your kids Christmas gifts. Might be that, to bring joy and see that and, and enjoy that part of Christmas. It might be to save you from strife. All of this, again, is to position myself so that I am free to follow God whatever he has me do, so that I can worship him, so that I can serve him. An inheritance is another way that you can use your finances to bless your children's children. This is what it says in Proverbs 13:22. A good person leaves an inheritance for their children's children, but the sinner's wealth is stored up for the righteous. I've seen people get really creative with this. Now, you can take the normal and not spend everything that you have, and you're going to wind up with some money, and pretty soon you're going to die, and you're going to leave money to somebody. So that's the traditional way, that's the normal way. It says, oh, a good person does that. All right. It doesn't say a ton about it, but I need to take that and see. I wonder what God has, wants me to do. I've seen other scenarios where uh, a, a parent, middle-aged, older parent, has got a windfall from their inheritance, from their parents passing away, and then they see their newly married kid uh, who's under a mortgage and are doing the things that they're called to do and being responsible. And so they'll take that inheritance and they'll pay off the mortgage for that kid and then contract with their son or their daughter to pay them back over a series of how many years. So that can save you hundreds of thousands of dollars in interest where now you're keeping that in the family and you're not taking it to the bank. That's a way I've seen a, a one generation give an inheritance to a second generation who then uses that inheritance to pay off the house and then still requires responsibility. Don't enable your kids, right? We had that talk a month ago. Still enable your, or help your kids save tons of money of interest and free them up to do certain things financially, but yet they got to keep paying you. So you can get very, very creative with this stuff, but the only way you're able to do it is if you have worked hard first, played hard second. That kind of game, that kind of thing, do that kind of blessing, that's the play hard part, right? But that's a ton of fun to do. And it's awesome to see the generational impact that that can have. Okay, talking all about money, it's really easy to start locking in on this stuff and, and focusing too much on the money. There's a lot of dangers in savings, especially in our world, in our culture. Matthew 6, 19 says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths do not break in and thieves do not break in and steal. There's another place in Scripture that this guy is, his income is getting more and more. His business is growing and growing and growing, and so he builds these huge vats, these huge barns, and he puts it all in there, puts it all in there, puts it all in there. And this is what uh, God's Word says to him. You fool, this night your soul is required of you, and the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So is the one who lays up treasures for himself and is not rich towards God. 
In other words, yes, save, but don't save too much. In other words, the danger in saving is we can start to rely on our money and for security instead of God. We talked about leaving the results up to God. Proverbs 16.9 says, A man plans his ways, but the Lord directs his steps. I'm a firm believer in doing what you feel like God has called you to do, asked you to do, and then whatever happens, happens. And that's in God's hands. And so, again, it can look very... Maybe, maybe you leave here and you say, all right, I'm, I'm committed to invest my money. And I talk to a financial planner and seek counsel, and they say I should invest it in uh, mutual funds. And so you go and you, you do some hard work, and you invest in mutual funds, and you start setting money aside, and pretty soon that money starts to dwindle. That money loses, the stock market crashes, whatever. It's really easy to look at that and say, oh, we did something wrong. Not necessarily. Our job is to be obedient. Our job is to be faithful the best that we know how in line with his words, seeking counsel, and you leave the results up to God. You have no idea. God, God, that may be exactly what God wanted. Or maybe you did the responsible thing and you stacked up this emergency fund and then whoo, he took it over a period of three weeks because everything broke down. He'll figure out a way to give you what you need. Don't always think you messed up because the results didn't play out buy $200 sunglasses and you felt like it was good and right and it was tons of fun to do and you wore them for a day and the next day you sat on them? That's what happens. Maybe God will say, eh, that was stupid, go buy a $10 pair. Maybe he won't. Maybe he'll say, go get a $250 pair. I don't know. But I've seen him do that in people's lives. I've seen him do that in my life. Trust in God but tie up your camel. There's the other quote. Trust in God but tie up your camel. This is Arab proverb. Here's what it means. God has given us certain things to do. He's required, he's asked us certain things. He said, here's the way that I would live my life if I were you and I'm God, so it would be good to listen. Tie up your camel, okay? But don't put your faith and your trust in the rope. Know that the results are up to God. Man plans his steps, and he should, but the results are up to God. This is where we're to act in faith. Again, faith means you put, you believe God, you take him at his word, and you trust him. Faith does not mean you live irresponsibly. I think a lot of times we live irresponsibly and say, oh, I'm just having faith God's going to provide. Well, God's probably going to provide through a job because he's asked you to do that. Does that make sense? I already wrote the Adam quote twice. I'm not going to read it again. He'll get a big head. All right, let's wrap this up. Looking at the big picture again. If I focus and recognize that everything that I have everything, including my life, is God's. I think that fixes a lot of disillusionments that I have. Work hard. Apply the things that God has given you, your mind, your skills, your opportunities, and apply them well. Be generous. Save and invest. And then spend freely and hold it loosely. I don't know what that looks like for you. And I don't honestly think it matters. But I love the idea of people who have committed themselves to be about the Father's business, and then God puts something on their heart and they give tons away. But that really looks Christian, that's easy to say. I also love when somebody spends a ridiculous amount of money on something that most of us would think, what are you doing? That's fun sometimes. Whether it's for your wife or for yourself or for your kids, sometimes God has you do that. 
He says, test me. Test me by giving something away you don't want to give or testing me by spending money. You're not looking at the right side of the menu tonight. Order whatever you want. Not always, but he'll have you do both of those things. And I got to ask, am I doing this in faith? Or can I not do that because I put too much stock in what people think? Or can I not do that because I put too much stock in my savings? I don't know what it's going to look like for you, but I want to encourage you to go about God's ways in his order. Lastly, I love this story in this picture to keep, keep the thing the thing, to keep what's important important. And we started this saying, all of this is so that we can serve and glorify God more. There's an awesome story in the New Testament. Remember when Peter and the boys are fishing and they're not catching anything and Jesus is in yelling distance and he says, cast your nets on the other side. And by faith, now I don't know if Peter's saying, I'm a fisherman, what are you talking about? I don't know how much faith it was. Maybe it was little or maybe it was a ton. But either way, he believed it to the point he was going to act on it. So he casts his net on the other side and what happens? Tons and tons of fish to the point that the nets start breaking and they call reinforcements. This is God being very abundant, very lavish. He knew how many fish would break the net. And he puts more in there, right? And Peter, instead of being so consumed with the asset, instead of being so locked in on, oh my gosh, this is going to taste good tonight. Or can you imagine how much money we're going to have once we bring this to the market and we start selling this stuff? Now, all those things probably were going to happen, but what's Peter do? What's his first reaction? He jumps in and he starts swimming to Jesus. His focus and his heart was on the giver, not the gift. Now, again, I think he's going to enjoy the gift. We're called to enjoy the gift. But first and foremost, let's swim to Jesus. Let's recognize the source so that our life is truly an act of worship. And then as we're sitting around the table eating all that fish, we are free to enjoy the relationships that he's given us. He gives us provision of the fish and he gives us provision for the relationships. All of that with the proper heart is total worship. And dare I say, it's as worshipful as you sitting here today. Or when we're singing. It's all meant to bring glory to God. So do it with your savings, do it with your giving, and do it with your spending. Amen? Let's pray. Father God, thank you for the freedom that you have given us. And I realize whatever grid that we bring to this, sometimes we can, we can hear that God's going to provide us certain things that you don't promise us. But I think much of this is simply a heart posture and an attitude to recognize it's all yours, that you delight in our delight. And there's many times you walk us through fires and trials and having very little to trust in you. And there's other times that you fill our nets till they're breaking. And uh, we just want all of our hearts to trust in your provision and to trust when you say that you love us and that you delight in us and that with one glance in our direction, a smile comes across your face. Let us believe that. So let us hold all things loosely and be about your business with our money and with our time, and with our very lives. It's in Christ's name. Amen. Would you guys stand with me? We're going to sing the first verse in the chorus of a, an old hymn, which is a perfect thing to end this with. It goes, all to Jesus I surrender all. To him I freely give. I will ever love and 
trust him in his presence daily live make it a prayer say i surrender all everything god i surrender all all to thee my Blessed Savior, I surrender all. Amen. Have a blessed week.